Hey, what's going on, everybody? Tavares here. It is just going to be me today, but I hope that I can help edify the body of Christ with this episode. Um, so if this is your first time tuning in, be sure to check out more episodes, subscribe, share with your friends. You know, for you guys that's been rocking with us week after week, we are grateful for you all. All the shares, all the messages, we cannot get to them all, <laughs> but we definitely try to re- read the reviews and we try to read through your messages every time we get the chance. You know, so we are very thankful, you know, that you guys support us the way that you do. Yeah. And I just pray that this episode continues to be the same. Um, one thing I will say is, you know, try to be a little bit patient with us. You know, there are a lot of people that send emails and DMs every day and we're trying to get to them when we can after work, family, school coming up, everything with church, you know, so life is in a very be very be very busy season for us right now so i just appreciate you guys rocking with us man so let's just go ahead and dive straight into today's episode and i want to talk about lukewarm christianity um i think it's important that we talk about this whether we want to know if i'm being lukewarm you know myself or you want to know if the person you're interested in interested in is lukewarm or if you want to know is this a lukewarm church that i'm a part of um you know so it's it's important that we understand that um if you're gonna read in any other translation that's fine um it's probably easier if i would have read it in something else but i love my kjv so Y'all just going to have to rock with KJV, but <laughs> Revelation 3, 14 through 20 is where the, the context of lukewarm, you know, originates from in scriptures. And I want to read those verses for you all. It says, and unto the angel of the church and of the Laodiceans write, these things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou were cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm. And neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of clothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich, and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear, and anoint thine eyes with eye salve, that thou mayest see. As many as I... as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come into him and will sup with him and he with me. So, yeah, so that is where the concept of lukewarm Christianity comes from. In Revelation chapter 3, we see that was a church that Jesus was addressing, not just one person, but addressing a church who had the issue in general. So it is very possible that an entire church can be battling an issue like that. And I'm not saying there can't be one person on fire for God, but it's possible that a large group of people can be lukewarm and not even know it. So as we can see from those scriptures, you know, someone will say, all right, so what does it mean? What is, you know, what is lukewarm? And it's basically you're not hot and you're not cold. So you're just in the warm, you know, so you're not necessarily living for God or not necessarily living for the devil. You know what I mean? You're Basically, one could say you're playing the fence. You know, you're loving God when it's convenient for you. You know, you obey the verses that, you know, you agree with. And you ignore the ones that you disagree with. You know, like I remember many, many years ago, I heard my boy Ezekiel do a poem. And he was talking about we're too afraid of the conviction that comes out of Romans. So we just stay put in the Psalms. 
meaning, you know, if you read something in Romans, it's going to correct the sin that you do. So you just kind of, you know, go towards the, the verses that the, the verses that make you feel good, you know, anything to, you know, tickle your emotions, you know, but that's a problem because all of scripture is use, useful for edification. All of scripture is useful for our growth. And we can't just pick and choose when we want to serve God, you know, you know, because many of us, you know, if we're lukewarm, you know, we're proud to be a Christian when we're around other Christians, you know, but we, people that are friends with us at work or at school or anything like that, they have no idea what we believe, you know, because unless they go to our church, they probably would have no idea, judging by how we dress, act, the jokes we laugh at, the things we entertain, you know, so it's possible that we can be lukewarm and not even know it, you know, so you, it's possible to to claim, you know, you love God, you have you know, the, the Bible verse in your bio, but our actions, you know, will show otherwise. So we may tell people that we're safe. You know, some of us tell people that doesn't mean like that we're acting like Christ when we're outside of the church. You know, maybe we don't tell people because we don't want them mocking us. We're afraid of what people might think, you know, but it's impossible, in my opinion, to be on fire for God and no one knows it. It's not possible to to say that we love someone deeply and we never talk about them. We never show affection or we never spend time with them. It, it, it's impossible for me to say I love my wife and I'm avoiding her. It's impossible to say I love my wife and when she speaks to me, I don't speak back. It's impossible to, to know my wife desires something. I have the means to get it for her and I don't get it. That's not true love. you know. So love is something that always comes out in actions, always comes out in our effort. You know, It can never just be something we say. You know, I don't think this is a podcast for a select few because we all can grow, um, you know, go through this phase in our lives, you know, and I know a lot of people, they only want to come on this page because they want to hear the encouragement. They want to hear the dating, but it's something we really need to address because it makes no sense you get into a relationship and you're lukewarm, or it makes no sense you get into a relationship with someone that is lukewarm and the whole time you had no idea that their walk with God was non-existent, you know? So many of us, if we're honest, we can admit that we've been lukewarm before, or maybe we can admit we're in a bit of a lukewarm season, you know, season right now. So I don't want you listening, thinking, oh, let me just share this with my friends and my youth group because they need it. I don't. No, no, no. Maybe we all can, you know, be edified through this, you know? So even when you do share it, because I would love if you guys continue to share these episodes, (laughs) you know, don't do it out of pride, but do it because you want to help someone grow. You know, so I just mentioned a few things, just going to mention a few things that I think, you know, it's important for us to address and, you know, signs, I should say, of a lukewarm believer. Number one, we're casual with our walk with God. You know, you're a lukewarm when your walk with God is no longer that serious and it becomes something, you know, it's a hobby, you know, something that I'm doing out of fun. I'm doing out of uh, because I can or because it's trendy. You know, and we always say we want to be on fire for God, right? I think every time someone mentions someone who is faithful to God, they're always saying, you know, the person is on fire. You know, I don't think I've ever heard of someone bragging that they had a cold prayer life. You know what I mean? I've never heard someone say, oh, my relationship with her is going great, man. Everything is pretty cold right now. No, no, no. When love grows cold, that's normally a bad sign. You know, so however, I don't think that's all. So when I think when people look at description, Revelation, many times they're like, I want to be on fire for God. I want to be on fire for God. I don't think that was the full context of what the Bible was trying to mention because there was a water supply in the city that was lukewarm when it's in Laodicea. Um, So there was hot springs that would flow from the south um, nearby, I think it was called 
Hierapolis. Um, yeah, Hierapolis. And there were coal pure waters when it was coming from Colossae. So by the time it managed to get its way to Laodicea, now it's no longer hot and now it's no longer coal. So the hot waters were useful for bathing for whatever, you know, reasons they were using it. And the cold water was useful for other areas, you know, like drinking, you know, but when it got to Colossae, it was literally just no point. It was just lukewarm. So it's not really beneficial in any way. So I don't believe it was Jesus saying to the church, I'd rather you live for me or live for the devil. I don't think that's exactly what he was trying to imply. And don't get me wrong, God you know, the Bible does let us know how long will you halt between two opinions or choose this day whom you're going to serve, you know, but I don't want us thinking all it was saying was, oh, serve me or serve the devil. You know, that's not what God was trying to say, but he was saying that he had a problem that their actions were not lining up with their words. So you, everyone knows the church in Laodicea is a huge church and everything is going right for the church and they seem like they're a blessed church, but in God's eyes, everything was not going right. You know, so let's see Mark chapter seven, verse six. It says, he answered and said unto them, well, well, as in correctly. So correctly has Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. So we see Jesus is rebuking Pharisees and scribes because they knew so much about the law, but they knew so very little about God. And I think that's where a lot of us Christians, we find ourselves today. You know, we know so much about God. If someone asks us, oh, what does Psalms 1 say? You can quote that. You can quote Psalms 23. You can quote the Lord's Prayer. You can you can probably quote a lot. But in your actions, God is like, nah, you can quote my words, but what is your actions doing? Yeah, I know you're dressing modest, quote unquote, but in that moment of temptation, are you leaning towards the temptation or are you leaning on my word? Because it's so easy to know what the word of God says, but are we doing it? You know, because when you get casual in your walk with God, you obey when you feel like it. You love God because, uh, I, I, okay, I'll read my Bible today. You know, I, I got a little bit of time. I'll pray for a couple minutes. And then you just become to get casual and God is rebuking them because it's so easy for you to to try to hold a law over someone's head, but you're not even obeying it. You know, you, you memorize all these verses, but you're not living it. You know, Titus 1 and 16, it says such people claim they know God, but they deny him by the way they live. They are detestable and disobedient, worthless for doing anything good. I know what it means myself personally, because I know many people are going to listen to this episode and they're like, man, he's kind of harsh. No, 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 no. I know what it means to say I love God. And all of my actions prove otherwise. I know the verse is talking about lust, but I'm still lusting. I know the verse is talking about don't tell lies, I'm still lying. I know the verse is saying, you know, you know, we shouldn't be gossiping or slandering, but I'm still listening when someone else does it. You know, so it's so easy, you know, it's or struggling with unforgiveness. I know there's plenty of times I struggle with that. It's so easy for us to know that the Bible made it clear. If you don't forgive, I will not forgive you. But then we hold unforgiveness in our heart. Why? Because we claim we know God, but in our works, in the way we live, worthless. The Bible make it clear that we're not even obeying. We're just telling people we know God. You know, we have to get we have to be careful to not get, you know, happy holding that title of a Christian, but we ignore the power of God aiming to change our lives. Because I don't care how often you go to church if you're not being transformed. The devil does not care about how often you go to church as long as you don't take it seriously. He doesn't care if you read the scriptures when you wake up first thing in the morning, as long as you don't obey it. The devil doesn't care if you pray, as long as you don't wait on God to speak back. You know, it's like, 
we don't understand that it's a it's a danger with with casual Christianity. Um, a guy named Marcus Rogers. I don't know if you guys know him, or if you do know him, I don't know if you even you know enjoy his ministry. But I know it's something powerful that I heard him saying. It was something like um, casual Christians become casualties, because a lot of times you take a little casual approach to Christianity and you don't realize this is a spiritual warfare. The enemy wants to destroy God's children, so you can't just think. Ah, okay, I love God and life is good and no harm, no foul. No, 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 no. The enemy's coming to attack you, your family, your health, anything around you. And you just have to be willing to be consistent. You're what with God, not casual, but consistent. You know, so we have to be careful not to just take the label and not the lifestyle, you know, because I believe that there are many pastors that love to preach. It's not about works. It's not about this and it's not about that. And some people listen to my podcast and I've had people reach out to me regarding my posts and some things I've said. And they're like, no, nah, that's legalism. You're telling people they have to do this and do that or else they're going to go to hell. It's not legalism. You know, we have to be careful when we listen to people that's quick to point that legalism card. Be careful of that doctrine, you know, because God himself, his word is telling us we have to pay attention to our actions. He wants us to please him. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So he didn't say, oh, when you do this or how you do it. No, he just said, if you love me. So we have to understand that's a, as much as you want to say, no, 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 that's such a hard thing. No, no, no. Just like your wife is going to say, well, if you love me, the least you could do is take out the trash. Like I've, I've asked you to take out the trash. You know, if you take out the trash, the house smells better. But if you don't, the house stinks. And then you're going to say, I love you, but I want the house to stink. No, that's the same thing with God. God is not forcing us to do things, but he lets us know obedience brings us in closer to him. Obedience leads to intimacy. You know, so many people, they like to say, we don't have to earn salvation, but the Bible does tell us that faith without works is dead. So when you believe in God, there has to be more to it. It's not possible for me to love God and then I avoid his presence and I, and I don't obey him. Every day is going to be a struggle to seek him, but it has to be my goal to want to spend time with him. You know, and I know many believe that oh, I'm saved, once saved, and I'm always saved. Yeah, I, I disagree, you know, because I'm not saying these comments, you know, because I think I can ever obey enough to, to make it in, that that would just be idiotic. It's only by the grace of God that any of us are saved. But I want us to understand that we are all sinful without the power of God helping us. I'm simply saying that I believe that God desires a relationship and we can never forget that when it comes to Christianity, because Jesus told us down the last day, there are going to be many people that preach, you know, cast out devils, you know, and they're going to say, you know, hey, Lord, you know, he's like, hey, I never knew you. You're a worker of iniquity, you know, and this isn't to scare anyone. You know, I probably ran people off with such a hard, hard point to start it off, you know, but I just want you to know that we have to grasp the fact that God desires a relationship. Not a casual approach to Christianity, but an actual relationship. Number two, we have to understand that when you're a sign of being lukewarm, is that a lifestyle of sin no longer bothers us. You know, and I don't mean we no longer fall, you know, once we get saved. You know, we're going to make mistakes. I mean, when we stumble, we don't even care to repent. Um, I think a perfect example is like when David, you know, made a mistake with Bathsheba, chose to make that mistake. Um, the issue was he tried to hide it 
and he was, you know, doing good for quite some time. But unfortunately, God had to send a prophet Nathan to correct him because he was just going to pretend nothing was going on. That's when you know you're drifting into a lukewarm lifestyle. When you commit a sin and it's not pricking your heart, it has to, it has to be some conviction there, you know. So a lifestyle of sin shows us that when a person is is in sin and they're not bothered by it then that shows that, you know, they're drifting towards lukewarm Christianity. First John chapter three, verses six through nine in the NLT says it like this. Anyone who continues to live in him will not sin, but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. Dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil who has been sinning since the beginning. But the son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are the children of God. So that's why I want us to see that, yeah, you can make a mistake, but it's a problem when there is a lifestyle of sin. Because, I, you know, one time uh, someone said, Oh, you know, we we messed up. We fell into fornication. You didn't fall into it unless you like to just stumbled. You fell off of a cliff. Your clothes fell off midair. Like, no, no, no. It was a choice. You know, and I hate, you know, we always try to say, oh, I fell. You know, no, no, no. It's a gradual choice that, you know, that we have to make. But we have to understand that the Bible shows us clearly here that those who belong to God are not going to make a lifestyle of it. You know, if we're doing what is right, then that shows that God is working in you. But the moment you continue drifting, that shows that God's life isn't there. You know, so I want us to understand that it's important, you know, that we don't get comfortable in sin. You know, you may have made a mistake. I don't, I don't want us to think that we need to avoid the church and avoid accountability because you made the mistake. No, no, no. This is when you need church people the most. This is when you need to be around godly influences the most, you know, because sin always tries to entertain us because the enemy knows that once, once we become, once we, once we get entertained and once we, we engage in it, then we become easy prey because at this point we've already started sleeping spiritually, you know? So once he lulls you asleep, then he's going to easily be able to pull you out of um, obedience to God. You know, I've heard people say things like, and I, and I'm going to have to do a, a whole episode on this in general. So I know touching on this may be a sore spot for some, but Please understand, my heart is not saying it's from a judgmental place, but I've heard people say things like, how is homosexuality is a sin? You know, well, because they know many gay people, you know, who are kind and loving. And they're like, man, I've seen people in the church that speak in tongues and they're rude. I've seen people in the church doing the same sins. So what's wrong with, you know what I mean? And they say all these things. And it's like, you're trying to, I'm trying to explain to them, well, it's a sin because the Bible said it was a sin. You know, and a lot of people, they think God's word is going to change because everyone around them has. That's not how God's work, God, God's word works. You know, we have to understand that he's not changing based off what culture is doing. He's not changing based on what society is thinking. That's not how God works. You know, that leads me right into the third point. You're not standing when you're lukewarm. You're not standing with God's word, but you're standing with what the culture is doing. Isaiah 40 and 8 says it like this, the grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So I want us to understand that culture changes, but the word doesn't. They can teach gender fluidity in school all they want, but God only created two genders. They can teach a lifestyle in school all they want, 
in Hollywood all they want. You know, they can do all of these all of these things, but if the Bible calls it sin, it's still a sin. It's not changing because the president changed. It's not changing because our Senate and our governors or whatever, wherever we live, isn't the word of God does not change because they don't agree with it. I once saw they literally have a gay Bible now. I, I didn't even care to do an episode on it or a YouTube video on it because it's trash. I'm not going to, I did not want to entertain that garbage, you know, give it more attention than it deserved. It's nonsense. You know, so sin when Jesus walked on this earth is still sin in 2021, whether America likes it or not, whether our pastors preach it or not, it's still a sin. If the word of God says it is a sin and trust me, I make comments like these all the time. That's why my podcast, people don't share that often because people are like, nah, we ain't trying to hear that. We need some fluffy, you know, give me some cute sayings that I could tweet, you know, and then, you know, give me a little one-liner. No, I don't want to give you a one-liner. I want to lead you closer to God. And I'm going to tell you (laughs) when you are walking towards destruction. So it will still be sin when the president allows it. It will still be sin when all of our friends choose to do it. And it is still going to be sin when the world chooses to normalize it and legalize it and do all kinds of eyes, whatever they choose to do, the word of God doesn't change to make us comfortable in darkness. The word of God is not going to change because we decided in our church we're tired of the rules because we want to be free. We decided, nah, I have liberty in Christ, so I get to do whatever I want and do with it, do with whoever I want. Like, listen. We are free to do as we please, but the word of God is not changing to fit our needs. The Bible says it like this in Romans 20, in Romans 1, 28 through 32. And since they did not see it, see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that they who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. If that don't sound like America, I don't know what to tell y'all, but... They knew God opposed the lukewarm. They knew God was opposed to certain things, but yet they didn't mind that others were doing it. They didn't mind that their friends were doing it. They were entertained when the TV was doing it. You see, the scriptures literally said they know that people who do it are worthy of death, that they're going to die, at least a spiritual death, that not only do they do them, but they give approval to those who practice it. So we have to be careful. Because it's easy for me to be like, man, I don't want to have sex before marriage. I I don't want to have sex outside of my marriage. But will I entertain fornication on my TV? What about when the movie scenes play it? What about when my music choices do it? It's easy to tell people, I'm not going to gossip. That's wrong. But will I do it when, you know, will I entertain it when my friends bring it to me? Or... What about when it's some somebody I don't like? I don't like that person. So let me just go ahead and listen to this gossip because I already knew they were trash. Is that the type of nonsense we're going to do? <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just saying, man, it's so easy to drift into that lukewarm lifestyle. But I do believe there are some ways to get out of it. And I'll mention a few here. Number one, repentance. It's clear as day. The Bible made it clear that we had to do that um, in Revelation chapter three. You know, in Acts two, after 
the Holy Spirit fell down in the upper room when they, you know, the Bible mentions that they saw people speaking in tongues and they were all shocked. Like, what is the world is going on? Like, these people are speaking in our language. And Peter stood up and the rest of the disciples stood up and they preached a great message. And at the end of it, verse 37 said, conviction hit their heart. And they asked, what do they do? I'm not getting into the, oh, the baptism and the receiving the Holy Ghost in this episode. But the first thing they had to do was repent. Peter literally told him, repent. Because I think a lot of people try to get baptized and they haven't repented. A lot of people, they want, they expect to get filled with the Holy Spirit, but they haven't repented. That's literally the first step. You must turn away to get away from sin, to get away from a lukewarm slump in order to get away from that complacent, that season of complacency. You have to repent. And repentance means to turn away from sin. So it's way more than crying at the altar call. It's more than telling God that we'll never do it again. You know, but true biblical repentance means turning away from sin, even the ones that we enjoy, the sins that are socially acceptable, turning away from those as well. Even the sins that I was born that way, turning away from those as well. Even the sins that, but everybody's doing it, turning away from those as well. Even the sins that the church is doing, even though the Bible said not to do it, turning away from those as well. Um, You know, so I need us to understand that true biblical repentance does not give us room to cry and keep repeating it. No, but it's uh, it's not repentance until we turn away from it and to pursue back after God. So we need to check if there are some issues in our life that we need to repent of. David said it best, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Psalm 139 verses 23 through 24. So David knew there could have been blind spots. And that's what I'm always trying to get to you guys to see when I talk on these podcasts, because a lot of people, we we address what we can see, but we don't address the root. We don't address what's leading to it, you know, but it's important for us to understand that there could be blind spots that we need God to search, you know, because sometimes, you know, we can be clueless to the fact that we may be spiritually struggling despite how spiritual we may look. I know many times I thought, well, God must be pleased with my life because I'm still ministering. But no, you can be lukewarm and still in ministry. We can attend church and be lukewarm. We can go to every service. We can help out in every way and still be lukewarm. You know, so it's not just about working for God, but it's a matter of working with God, building a relationship with him. Because you can be a blessing to others and still be lukewarm. So God doesn't want you just to aim to to look like a Christian, but he wants us to develop into the image of Christ. He wants to renew our hearts, renew our minds, renew our spirits so that we can be more pleasing in his sight. You know, when God rebuked the church in Laodicea, he informed them that they thought they were doing well. Oh, you guys, oh, you think you're rich. You think you're clothed. You think you're this, you think you're that. But I see the real you. He made them He made them fully aware that I'm looking at your heart. I'm seeing what's really the issue behind the church, you know, but that was just, you know, they were just looking from the inside. So they weren't aware that how negative their spirits really were at the time. A number thing, a second thing to get out of this slump is to feed the fire again. The Bible makes it clear in James 4 and 8 to draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible period because it promises that God comes closer to us as we come closer to him. So that shows me that I'm actually as close to God as I want to be. God is not running away from me. 
It's not some trick that I have to, oh, let me go on a 50-day fast in order to hear from God again. No, I don't have to do, no, I just have to take a step towards him. And if I take a step towards him, he takes a step towards me. Meaning if I don't feel the presence of God, then that means I'm not walking towards him. That means I'm not, if I'm not hearing his voice, that means I'm not walking towards him. But the moment I decide to turn back towards God and feed that fire again, God is going to come after me. So that's why it's important for us to change our appetite. Our spiritual appetite needs to be worked on because what we allow into our spirit is what's going to take root. Eventually, all those seeds we're planting with TV, music, friends, social media, whatever, entertainment, anything, all of those seeds that are being planted will eventually produce fruit. Galatians chapter 6, verses 7 through 8 says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who those who live only to satisfy their their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the spirit will harvest everlasting life from the spirit. So we get that. Yeah, you can, <clears throat> excuse me, you can desire to have a, a blessed life, but unless you're investing something into your spirit, you're not going to get that in return. So if you sow perversion into your spirit, perversion is going to come out into your actions. But if you sow prayer into your spirit, the power of God is going to come out through your actions. So it doesn't matter what we did in the past, but what we choose to sow right now is what we're going to reap in the future. So that's why it's important that we change our appetite, you know, because we'll, I believe that we'll get our biblical convictions back the moment we begin to immerse ourselves back into his presence, you know, because I know I keep it real with you guys. I don't know about y'all, but it, I felt like the Bible was boring before. So have you ever felt like it was boring? Be honest. Have you ever felt like the Bible was boring, you know, or that you probably thought you weren't getting anything out of it? To be honest, I realized to me that meant I just wasn't in it enough. Because why is the Bible boring when it's literally living and active? Meaning I can read a verse today and it helped my life and read it again in 10 years. And depending on the season that I'm in, it can still transform my life again in that future. Why? Because the word of God is always able to work in our lives. So if we're ever bored, we have to wonder, what is it that I'm feeding my spirit that would cause me to not view the, the goodness of God? The, the, the writers in the Bible were saying it's sweeter than honey. So if I'm not if I'm not enriched every time I read, if I'm not growing every time I read it, then that shows something is wrong, you know, because the more we spend time getting to know God through his word is the more he'll speak to us. And there's nothing better in this world than to have a personal walk with God. I know everybody want to get married, but a personal walk with God is better. I know everybody want the six figures, the million dollar jobs, whatever, but a walk with God is better because at the end of the day, all of these things can change. They can fail us, but God never will. You know, or maybe you felt like, you know, maybe your prayer life, you felt like it was pointless or that you thought God wasn't listening. To me, that just means that our flesh is too strong, you know, and that just simply means that we need to spend time in God's presence so our spirit can grow, you know, because prayer, you know, sometimes it feels like you're just hitting a wall, but eventually something breaks. That's why I was taught when I was growing up that we have to learn to push, meaning P-U-S-H, pray until something happens. Praying until you, you want someone to be healed of a disease. Don't just say, ah, oh, maybe it's God's will for them to be sick. No, keep praying. You know what I mean? Or you're saying, well, maybe it's not God's will for me to get that job. No. How about you keep praying until you do get it? You know what I mean? Never give up on the power of prayer. Let God deny you before you deny God. 
do not give up on what God can do. God is able to do great things through your life, but most times we just have to push. We just have to keep praying and press through or fasting to fuel the fire, you know, and change your appetite. Because in reality, fasting is just dying to your flesh. You know, you're not eating, your body's, you know, releasing toxins and you're able to clear your mind. You're able to focus more on God because you, you're using time away from things that you naturally desire just to spend time with God. But I think in this generation, a lot of people, they need to do social media fast. Um, I think that's one of the biggest ways. I was 100% against that because I hated people talking about, oh, I'm on a fast. But then they're they're still eating all kinds of foods. And I'm just like, oh, no, no, no. They said they're on a fast, but they were still on their phones all day. It's just like you're, you're distracted. But when people said they were going to go on a fast and then they put down their phone, I was really like, you put on your phone, but you're still eating. You know, I, I, I just wrestled with that for some years. I'm sorry. I'm just being honest. But I've learned that just getting off of social media for a couple of days at a time for me has been so much peace of mind. Um, there's some days when I just can't keep up because I'll be reading the word of God and I'm on a high and I'm just seeking God and I'll open social media and shorties in a thong bikini. And it's just like, bro, come on, bro. Like how many, how many people I got to mute and unfollow? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm, I'm, listen, everybody's thing is different. You may see something that causes less. Someone else is going to see something, a meme that keeps them on TikTok for the next four hours. You know, so everything is different. But my thing is, I believe that fasting, especially from social media, is important in this generation because it's the most time consuming issue that we are facing. Um, and the last thing I'll say that you should do is to change your environment. Um, I think our, a lot of times our environment is what's really destroying us. You want to do well, but you're not in a proper environment to grow. In Sodom and Gomorrah, Genesis chapter 19, you know, that was a line, a land that we see filled with sin, pride, you know, all kinds of issues to the point that God is like, I'm going to destroy them. You know, and the Bible mentions that the young and the old men were at the house of Lot trying to sleep with the angels, you know, and that went inside Lot's home. So we see that sin was being ingrained in the hearts of the kids at an early age, just like in America today. I know a lot of people out there say, man, times are worse and we're living in the last days. No, I mean, we are, but sin has been pretty crazy for quite some time, you know, but we see that they were, they were ingrained in the kid's mind. Even the kids are at the door trying to do this thing, you know, but why, why do I say this is relevant? I say this is relevant because a lot would have allowed himself to get comfortable in a place that God is getting ready to destroy if those angels didn't rescue him. And we see that his wife wasn't really ready to leave because when she had the opportunity to leave, the Bible mentions that she looked back. You know, but at the end of Genesis chapter 19, whenever you guys um, get time, you should definitely read that. But I want you guys to see something here. It shows that Lot had daughters, you know, and two of his daughters, they decided to get him drunk, you know, because they don't have kids. They're trying to have kids, you know, replenish. You know, so they got him drunk and they slept with him. One night, one daughter did it. The next night they get him drunk again and the next daughter did it. To me, it's very disgusting. I would hope disgusting to you as well. But where did they learn this perversion? From all of their years in Sodom. So when you're constantly surrounded by perversion for so long, eventually you're going to do it yourself. You may think, Man, I'm not having sex, man. It's just all my friends doing it. Yeah, but the moment you continue staying around an environment where everyone is doing sin and everyone is doing perversion, eventually you will do it as well. None of us are too strong that we can stay around sin um, all day, 
look at people do it and then never want to do it ourselves? No, eventually that's how perversion works. Second Timothy 2.22 says, flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You know, and I always tell people, you know, I always thought the emphasis on that was the fleeing youthful lusts, you know, something I quoted since I was a child to make sure I always kept my mind right. But now I believe that the emphasis is probably not fully on the fleeing the youthful lusts. I believe that we need to pay attention to the part that it says to follow righteousness with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Because your circle of friends is going to determine the direction your life begins to turn. Because he's tell, Paul is telling Timothy, yeah, you need to run away from lust and you need to pursue after these things of God. But he tells him you need to do it with people that are calling on the name of the Lord in a pure heart. Because how are you going to seek God around an environment of people that don't have a pure heart for God? It's almost impossible. Proverbs 13, 20 says it like this. Walk with the wise and you'll become wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. So I want you to understand that many of you right now that are struggling with sin, you're struggling because you have too many carnal friends influencing you. And I know, hey, Tavares, bro, I'm only around them because I want to witness to them. Yeah, but if they're witnessing to you, you need to move. Ah, uh, nah, man, I'm going to influence them. Yeah, but if they're all influencing you, you need to move. Like, because you're with them, you got to drink the witness now. You got to go to the club to witness with them now. Listen, if they're influencing you out of the church, influencing you out of obedience to God, then you have to take a step back. It's not that you aren't trying. You know, it's not that some people aren't trying to wait until marriage for sex, but you're dating someone who doesn't support your biblical convictions. So it's not going to work. It's not that we don't want to pray and we don't want to fast more, but we're around people that want to gossip and slander others. So eventually we're not going to take the time to pray. It's not that our pastor is preaching legalism or that this podcast is necessarily telling you something deep regarding legalism. It's the fact that it's hard for you to receive what someone is saying when you have friends with critical spirits causing you to reject teaching, causing you to reject anything that challenges you, causing you to reject anything that pushes you to do the will of God. And I don't believe that it's not, is that people don't love God, but when you're around people in church that want to compromise, eventually you're going to think that that's all church is, a place full of sin. You know, so I want us to check that out. You know, I don't want, you know, just to be attacking your mind, you know, I'll let the Holy Spirit convict you, <laughs> you know, but I want us to see this. It says it like this in Revelations 3.19. Says, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. So, if you find yourself in any of these categories that was mentioned above, something, some area that you will need to repent from or work on, please understand that God is only rebuking you out of love. God is not rebuking you because He wants to send you to hell. Conviction is there so you can repent, so you can build back your relationship with God. So instead of just jumping to your next podcast or jumping to whatever you got to do next, take a few moments to pray and ask God to reveal what's inside of you that needs to be addressed. If you don't mind doing me that favor. And before you leave, be sure to subscribe, share with a friend, support a podcast. And I will say this, a lot of people are messaging us, but it's literally two people behind the account. So I cannot see every DM. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, so the DMs that are extremely long and in great detail, we can go back and forth for hours, 
but we do have counseling services. So we offer that to you guys. Just click the link in the description box. You're going to see a way you can set up a one-on-one -on -one Zoom call if you would like with us, and we can go from there. But yeah, man, I appreciate you guys supporting the podcast. Be sure to check us out on Patreon. Show some support. We appreciate you guys. Peace.